I see we're live. Let's see. Let's make sure it's uh, doing what it really says it's doing. Can't trust the internet, Joe. And especially if you don't have the proper connection. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do. I need to get. I need to get a sponsor for that, man. I got NordVPN or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So it looks like it looks like we're live. We are live. Hello, hello, f family. Hello, hello. Yeah. So welcome. This is the Austin Action Fest and Market with our Austin Action Fest. You know, action fr friends and whatever we're calling it right now. We have the homie Joe Barajas on here, multi hyphenate Joe Barajas. <laughs> How are you doing, boss? No oh, man, I'm good. I'm good. Enjoying life right now. Can't complain. Okay. So feel free to introduce yourself. Let them know why you are amazing. Awesome. He said amazing. I'll take it. Um, so I'm Joe Barajas. I have been in the Austin film community since 2004. Started off as an actor. Five years after that, I opened up Regardless Productions to promote us, local talent, whether it be acting, producing, directing, all of it, because we're so talented here. And I really see no reason that we have to go out elsewhere to get talent. Um, so yeah, have regardless production, been doing that for a while, I've been producing a lot of my own work um, and acting. And I just got done uh, production on Dark Red, our second feature. Our first feature is How the Scream can be seen on Amazon Prime, if you have the Prime membership. Otherwise, you could buy it. Um, you can also see some of our work on regardlessproductions.com. But essentially, yeah, I'm in post-production for Dark Red and uh, also getting some scripts to look forward to the third feature. So we'll see how that goes. Got it. Okay. Well, congratulations. Congratulations. What um what genre are you thinking of for that third potential feature? Well, here's the thing. So I have um Hollow Scream 2, right? That that's a potential one as a horror, Ooh. horror film. I have Dark Red 2, also being written. That's another crime drama, supernatural. And then this next one would be well, it's a couple of them. I don't want to talk about it too much because I don't want to give too much away. But I would say the next one would be more of a another another crime drama, potentially, mm -hmm. or horror. Those are the two. Crime or horror. Okay. Yeah. Those sound like fun. Well, I live in Texas. You already know what it is. You have my number. Um, so cool, man. I know some of the people you work with on Dark Red. I know Tamika was in there in that one. Uh, who else did you have in that one that was uh, uh, playing a key role? So you have Samuel French. He was, uh, you know, Officer Williams or Deputy Williams, excuse me. Yeah. Um, there's also Carl Bailey. He's up in Dallas, you know, Texas local, not Austin local, but uh, pretty well known. Um, Elizabeth Maxwell, another one, mm. uh, plays a detective as well. Um, yeah. And then I got a Austin local who is now he now lives in in Houston. He moved, but uh, he was or originally from here. Um, his name is John Castillo, and he had spent a while acting, actually, before he gave it up. So this is kind of his acting debut. I pulled him out of his oh. retirement, which was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we have just a lot of local footprint here. Um, this one, I did not fly anybody in from L.A. like I did in, in the Hollow Screen. So pretty much everybody um, that has a name here locally, I try to use. Um, otherwise... People that didn't have a well-built name, I put them in the film. Okay, awesome. Well, congratulations. I know that's a, a big part of what Regardless Productions is uh, trying to do here in, in the Central Texas area. Um, I think we you share a lot of the similar uh, intentions of what we do here with Austin Action Fest and even Ballistic Blade Entertainment. 
Um, Because, you know, as I tell everyone, when I first started doing film, everyone I knew who was serious about film, all they would tell me is that you need to leave here and go to California or Atlanta to take this seriously. You cannot get paid in Texas. You cannot make a living of it in Texas. You have to move. And something about that just didn't sound right to me. You know, with all the money and the business and the stuff here, like I just felt like we should be able to do something in town. And it sounds like you kind of you kind of landed in the same place. Yeah, we vibe there, you and I. And I think from day one, you and I had those similar thoughts. Um, but I'll go a little further than that. Actually, I, I believe it's the work, right? People, mm. unless let's okay. So I hate to talk about people who live here. You know, we got Terrence Malick, we got Robert Rodriguez, we got all the names here, right? Okay. They, they put in the work elsewhere and then brought it here. So that becomes the norm or the model to follow, right? But what about us? What if we just put in the work now? What about if we build it and stack it and stack it and we go through the trials and tribulations and the pains and maybe we are working pro bono a lot of times until we start getting the paid gigs. But somebody's got to put in the work, right? Hmm. Somebody's got to show the footprint, which I believe you're doing. We're trying to do it. Been doing it since 2009. And, and that's what it is, people. I don't want to say they don't want to put in the work. They've seen a different method, and that's the method they want to follow. I was trying to lay a different road, and you and I, without even talking from the beginning, were kind of trying to lay this foundation, this road, um, to make it a reality. Because it may not be you and I. Yeah. 20, 30 years from now, it's going to be people who follow our road that really build it what we were trying to build. Hopefully, it is us, though. Fair <laughs> enough. Because you know, I, I just saw something. Um... There are some guys that'll be on like my projects and then I'll see them working on things with each other. And I'm like, awesome. That's what I, that's what I wanted. Right. Um, but I also saw with Butcher's Bluff this year, some people that were in Butcher's Bluff. Um, I think it was Butcher's Bluff with William Enstone mm-hmm. and then Michael Fisher. And I forget who else, all those boys guys got together and they did with Laura Herring, somebody else who's doing a lot of stuff local with Red Herring and Phil Reels and they got together and they did up on the up on the rooftop, I believe, which is the Christmas comedy slasher. But it was a bunch of people who had the idea while they were working on Instone set, and then they got together. Now, when I met them, I thought they had been a crew this entire time, only to find out no, they met. Many of them met on his set, got together, did something else, and then you know everybody just keeps recycling. Because that's what I thought would make the most sense. If you had a bunch of people doing like clerks level Ongbach and, you know, the occasional movie that might have $500 million budget or whatever, like what Eric Bernard is kind of, he's kind of in that zone right now. Um, if you have a bunch of smaller ones and everybody's sharing content and, and talent pools, when someone comes up, they're just going to pull their people up and then we, we do one of these numbers. So instead of one Robert Rodriguez, you have 10 or 15 of them. Right. And you elevate each other. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love it, man. I love the fact that other people are starting to see it. Because I was seeing a lot of people who were here, they would leave and go elsewhere. And a couple of years later, I see them back here. And I never really, you know, don't typically pry into why people came back or whatever. And I came back for personal reasons, but... um. And I never really wanted to be gone in the first place. We're doing that because my wife wanted to get some, spe- some specific kind of training for hosting. 
in California, and I don't think we could find anybody out here who was uh, the level she was looking for. Because she's like a you know, podcast host, TV host, all that stuff. So, no, man, it's good to see people wouldn't work out here. So tell us more, a little more about that's great about the old general stuff. Tell us a little bit more about Dark Red. Share some share some tidbits about some juicy backstage BTS tidbits about that one. Um, so in about 2018-ish, I was wrapping up Hollow Screen, getting ready to uh, send it out for distribution. Mm. Kept going to the gym and working out, and I had this idea, this idea of what it what it what it means for it could be a, a man or a female, but a person to have this extreme loss and 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 then have your morals and uh, become in check, right? And so it just kept festering, 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 and I kept telling my buddy Jared Leger, who actually wrote it about it, and he said, "Hey, man, I really like this concept that you have. I'm kind of breeding an idea. Let me write it." So. The, the juicy tidbit about that is this was uh, December 2019 when he agreed to write it, even though I had been thinking about it for a little over a year. Mm -hmm. He agreed to write it in December 2019, and we were in pre, uh, full pre-production March 2021. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, that's one of the big tidbit, bigger tidbits I'm pretty proud of. Like, wrote several versions of it, got it going, got into pre-production March 2021 shot it in 22 days in July while we dealt with COVID, including somebody getting COVID. So oh, we had wow. to shut down for a week. Yeah. So we uh, we did that in 22 days total. So would that have been, was it a SAG or was this a non-unit project? No, no, no. It was, it was close to being SAG because they had that, uh, oh my gosh, I'm going to mess it up. There's a new contract that SAG has that allows for you to have a certain level of budget. And we missed it by like $10,000. We were too oh, high. Wow. Believe it or not. Can you believe that? Too high. Yeah, I know. I know. Is wow. SAG New Media? It's not the new media. So it's like a version of the new media. God, uh -huh. um, it's out there now. It's on the SAG website. It's it, it was we were we were one of the few independents that were going to be piloting this program. Wow. But then when we sent in our budget, they're like, "Ooh, you're ten thousand too high." And I was like, "What? <laughs> I couldn't believe that." The, the one time in your life that your your budget's too high. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. And so we couldn't do it, uh, which was fine. There was okay. only about two or three actors that were uh, that we wanted that were SAG, so we had to pass on them. But um, everyone else that is SAG. I'm not even sure I'm allowed to say it, but they waited. <laughs> so they the one that people that wanted to work on it, they worked on it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I know I'm not gonna put anybody out there either, but I know a couple people who are who are SAG. Mm -hmm. And it's like, hey, they're like, look, if if the work's there, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the work, and if it's a cool project, I'll deal with the consequences after the fact. So, I mean, people do it all the time, right. you know. I mean, technically, I was supposed to be SAG after one of the major projects I did about maybe two years ago, and mm -hmm. made some craziness happen with the paperwork. Just didn't shake out like it was supposed to shake out. Ended up not getting getting to get my my sag eligibility because of it so i mean it is what it is and i mean i normally work in texas anyway so it's not that big of a deal right I mean, oh man it sucks but that's funny man you didn't get to be, do a sag deal because you too much money that's going to be the one time in your life that's going to be the problem 
Well, and here's the deal too. Like the person I spoke to, and I won't mention any names just because, but um, yeah. the person I spoke to in the psych department, uh, they were definitely saying, hey, we know that this is going on. And so that's why we're creating this new contract um, to, to accommodate, to basically okay. pay their little fees that they have and be able to say they're a paid uh, SAG actor in these small independents. Because they just know that people are gonna do it anyways. And rather than have them having to worry about any penalties or any of that stuff. That's why these contractors are new. Yeah, contractors. I mean, I used to give SAG a bunch of, I used to give him a bunch of crap because just because I wasn't in the group, right? Uh, and then uh, I worked in a project. I'm not going to give any any particulars to throw anybody under the bus. Let's just say it it is the first time I've ever been on a project. And I was like, oh, this is dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> this is why SAG exists. Uh-huh. I don't understand uh, yeah. why you have rules now because mm -hmm. I'm in actual danger. Uh, so while I rag on SAG and them getting in the way of me making inexpensive movies, I, I definitely understand the, the value of it. So, no, I mean it's necessary. I, like my last short that I I didn't yet mention, uh, the British are coming. That's a SAG project, so it's necessary. It's just that. Um, even before I decided to think about SAG, um, a couple of I was we were blessed. A couple of actors local to Texas, uh -huh. they wanted to be a part of it, and I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, I'm not even taking auditions from SAG actors just because Ooh. they were the ones who put me in touch with the right parties because they, you know, were blessed. They really wanted to be a part of the film, and yeah. unfortunately, it didn't go down the path, but it did open the door to, you know, regardless producing in the future now that we know the budgets and all that, uh, you know, a SAG project, uh, still staying super low budget, but producing such high quality work and now using actors without them having to worry about waiving their SAG rights, right? So. Yeah. No, that's awesome, yeah. man. Yeah. That, that's really, really awesome. So what's some, um, in directing this movie, mm -hmm. right? I'm assuming you learned some, some more things. It's only number two for you, right? Feature-wise. Correct. Right. Feature-wise, yeah. So give me give me three things you learned while directing this project. My next one that I would do this is an absolute thing I'm going to learn that I've learned and will use. The next project I do that's at least eighteen to twenty two days ish, uh -huh. taking a full week off in between. So doing two okay. weeks on, a week off, two weeks on. Um, it happened by accident um, because of COVID, right? So mm -hmm. we had to take time off. It was about a week, a little less than maybe six days, whatever it was, we, we were following some of the rules. And um, I just saw like the rejuvenated energy, the push to finish mm. the same energy you have when you first start a project and when you're yeah. working 12, 14, 15, 16 hour days, right? Especially because you're independent, you got to go hard. Um, and, and you're trying to shoot a feature film that should probably be done in 40 days, but you're doing it in 20 days. So you start to see like, okay, these hours are long. And you don't okay. want to run anybody into the ground. You don't want to run them ragged, but you also have to get it done. So, um, yeah, that's one of the biggest lessons that I learned as a director slash producer. Hmm. Um, I will absolutely take at least a week off if if we can fit it, right? Because not everybody schedule-wise can do five or six weeks for a project. Right? Yeah. With people with tight uh, schedule constraints. Um, the second thing that I think I learned as a director, or I believe I learned is that, um, you know, this can sound terrible, but you really are on set when you have good quality actors, you're just 
there saying action. Like there is not a lot. Like when somebody nails it, I don't have to interject. It's just my ego. I don't have to interject what they already know to the character, right? So it's okay if you're like, we got it, let's move on, right? Versus sometimes you're there and you're like, ah, yeah, you kind of nailed that, but because I didn't offer my insight, maybe okay. I need to say something right now, right? Yeah. No, no, you don't. If they nail it, they nail it. The actor knows what they're doing. Let them drive that. That's what they're supposed to do. If they under, if you mm -hmm. created a good character description, if you did your rehearsal like we did, well, just sitting there saying action. <laughs> no, that's actually really cool. I mean, it, as an actor, it can be terrifying if I don't know the director. Right. And I didn't, you know, it's, I feel so, I feel so pretentious when I talk, as an actor. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, when I'm fighting, I have like no doubt that I'm, 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 I'm nailing it. Right. Like I know I can tell when I don't do a move right or if I'm, how I'm performing. When I'm acting, I'm a little more um, conscious, nervous. I guess you can say, I'm more self-conscious of acting than when I'm brawling with people. Sure. And it's interesting when I'm on a set and the director's not giving me any corrections in any direction. I'm like, are you sure? You sure that was good? Because I've been on some sets with like my homeboys, right? Right. And you know, like homeboys, like especially when it's like an action project. Your homeboys don't care about your performance <laughs> at all, at all. Like they don't care, right? You gonna have crust in your eyelids. Um, your hair is nappy. You could be ashy. They don't say nothing to me at all. They're worried about the punching and the kicking. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, fam, this is a drama, okay? This yeah. is. I need to. Did you feel what I just said or did I not? Do you need more, less, louder? Give me something. Just give me a direction. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is, I, I hear you. Because I've heard a lot of directors say that when they have like top-end talent, you're just, you're just hanging out, watching magic unfold. Yeah, and we had top-end talent on this one. And so that was, you know, not that we didn't, you know, had top end talent in Hollow Screen. We did, but there was a little <laughs> more directing for sure going on um, than this project. And it, and it, you know, there was a, a feeling of like, you know, navigating my way through this project of like, do I say something? Do we really need another take? Did we get it? And and this project really helped me understand that if you have the top end talent, that just gets it. And also too, like we can, you don't even need the top end talent if you can set up your your descriptions to the to the actors that you cast, if you can set up, you know, the lay of the scene and and where we're going, you can do that in the rehearsals, you can do all of that um, with any actor that really takes their craft seriously. Mm -hmm. You can do that with them. Yeah. Um, but that was, <laughs> that was one of the things that I learned on the uh, for, for number two. Um, number three, as far as the three things I learned as a director is um, yeah, you know what? There's a few times, you know, like I can see I have a little straggler hair, hair there. A few times where I'm, I'm in the post and I'm like, oh god, that little hair needs to move. I got to call last looks in better. You yeah. know, that one drove me crazy a few times, but but that's a, you know. Yeah, I hear you. No, a couple of quick things though. So, got some some people in the chat. We got the the, the film fam, Trip McGavin, saying he says uh, he loves the chat. You're doing a good job, Joe, because I'm just I'm just here, right? <laughs> I picked my talent well. So now I'm just getting to hang out and coast 
you know, and let this let you be amazing as you do all these things. Uh, yeah, Stephen, Stephen, and TV's with us as well. From being house Wing Chun, um, talking about babysitting and fire, fire emoji, fire, fire, fire means we're doing something right. <laughs> I want to shout out if you want to, but I would say, you know, you could, there's more going on in the direction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just trying to make sure everything's, nothing's on fire, but like, as far as my, I want to, I want to shout out people, some people right now, my, my, you know, lead teammate, Erica Reddick, she's been getting into lighting and she's been getting into set design. So if you guys take a look, I'm a, I had to use one of my my basic cameras today, so I don't have the crazy one on. But like, you take a look at this setup here. You know, this is her, right? We got the the, the Akatsuki situation. You know why? We're with the rebels. Um, you know, we got we got a little scenario. We got some things happening. A little action shrine here, right? We got a little. We got some things going on. So I just want to give a little shout out to my my Snookums. It was her birthday yesterday, so. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Erica. Yeah. So she did a great job. And I get, oh, this also, my, my chiropractor said I needed a real chair with lumbar support. So <laughs> now, you know, we have the S racer, red and black. You know, we got the colors. We got a little pillow on the back here. You know, it's a grown man chair now. I just find it funny that you chose a gaming chair. Well, I also, I mean, this is where the PlayStation's at. Okay. I figured so. Call of Duty Five, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Uh, like COD, I'm on Modern Warfare. You know we're out here putting we're putting bodies on the floor. You know what I mean? They figured out a long time ago that you should have good posture when you're kicking butt. Right. I don't have the special controllers or nothing like that, but you know we are pretty decent. We we do we we have positive KDRs. You know sometimes <laughs> we'll we, we'll do we'll go on a run two three KDR. You know what it is. Um, the Ninja Clan, obviously. Uh, Trip McGavin knows about that Ninja Clan. So we throw a lot of knives. We stab a lot of people. So, um, yeah. And personally, I like to blow things up. So, you know, here we are. So, anyway, so that's total total side note. Well, hold on, hold on, no, that leads me to a question for you. Okay. So, if you have the option to blow something up or go in there and assassinate silently which one do you choose in your game whatever game doesn't matter nine times out of ten i'm gonna stab you yeah but from a strategic standpoint people get really mad in call of duty <laughs> it's harder to knife people than it is to, to blow them up um they get really upset when you blow them up <laughs> i'm sure they do oh yeah so like anything like rpgs in the old one used to be the china lake i i suggest devastate teams with with nova gas and explosions like i'm wasting every piece of equipment i got before i die like that i want havoc on battlefield because <laughs> while i'm doing that my clan my people are running around assassinating people right so a lot of times i'm like support in like destruction and they're just yeah so maybe maybe you should change your name to the violence distractor I mean, well, well, here's the thing, like the, the violence conductor means I can create, organize, and manage violence. Mm -hmm. So I'm like conducting things from the background. Because a lot of times, like as much fun as it is a knife or whatever, um, 
I'm not the best killer on my team, tech, to be honest with you. But I use heavy guns. I like the biggest. I like light machine guns. I like things that make a lot of noise. I don't have any kind of ghost. I'm not hiding at all half the time. So like I go between the loudest target to assassin. I just keep going back and forth. Because my homeboy, they're really, really good at, like, I started learning how to push. Like, I, I don't know how you play Call of Duty, but I started learning how to, like, get an AR or some sort and push, jump, turn corners, all that stuff. That wasn't how I used to play. How did you play before then? I was just way slower. Oh, okay. I had a slower gameplay. I had really big guns, and I'd be locked in on you with a light machine gun with, you know, incendiary rounds, and I'm just do, 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 do. <laughs> and I'm like, not, I'm like Rambo. I wasn't running out of bullets. I want the biggest, the biggest canisters. I wanted the largest clip, whatever magazines you could find, 200 rounds, and just do, 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 and just make people upset. Um, but when I started playing Modern Warfare, it's a faster game. Mm. So Modern Warfare 2, I had to learn how, well, if no one else is pushing on my team, I have to be able to push the action from the front. And so I started learning how to do that. So it's been it's been a fun been a fun time. It's been a fun time. And then I don't know, you know Rudy Reyes, the actor. Uh, why does that why does he sound familiar? <laughs> no, Rudy, yeah. He was here for a while. Okay. He was doing some stuff with Janelle Vela Smith. Oh, okay. And I was on one of the movie's uh, premises or, or or whatever they had put together, a, a, a promo. And um, he was doing a couple of different movies here. He did something with Mo Morris. Uh, he did, a, I think it was like Founding Fathers. He was the villain in that. Um, so he did a couple of different things here. Well, he's in the game. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, he's in the game as Reyes. That it's freaking Rudy, okay. Um, and so it's funny because I play with his character. He's got a pretty good assassination. He punches you in the mouth like twice, and yeah. it's fun. So nice. yeah, man, that's my goal. My goal is to get on one. Of the, I want to be in a freaking Mortal Kombat or a Tekken or a skin in Call of Duty. Something put me in. That's all I'm saying. You heard it. Come on, let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. Uh, we are way off topic. We are we are not even talking about film right now. Uh, well, it's creation. It's creation <laughs> at its finest. <laughs> no, but um, so tell us some other some other tips, some other things you learned, just in general with, the, well, with this filmmaking. Because there's a bunch of people who are going to see this that aren't they haven't done a feature yet. So what are some things you just think people need to know before they try to go out there and and, and do all that? Wow. Oh, gosh, that's a lot of time. But I will try to summarize that. Um, because again, my second second time out making the feature, I used a lot of the mistakes that I learned on Hollow Scream um, to make this one better. And then I'm, there's mistakes I made on this one that I'm going to use on the next feature. Uh, the first thing I would say is don't be afraid to fail. Like, Don't be afraid to fall flat on your face. Remove the ego. If your goal, if your true goal is to create something, a feature, you got to let it go. Got to let the ego go. So you know be confident in yourself um awesome yes sir happy birthday um you know be confident in yourself but don't don't realize that you know you are in a you're in a vehicle with other people right hmm. um, a lot of times 
producers and that I've seen, directors that I've seen, it, it becomes this, this is my project, this is my mm. baby, this is my way or the highway. And you know what? That works for some people, I guess. That's not my forte. That's the biggest thing I've learned is that you have so many other creatives. You brought them on for a reason, right? Mm. Why? Yes, show them your vision. Don't get me wrong. Like you can't make something without a vision. Show them your vision, but then why? Why do you want to be the only dictator on set? Why don't you want to collaborate and make something that could have been better than your vision? I don't have the ego to think that everything I come in, everything I say is gold. Everything I do is gold. I don't have that. It just becomes this, how can I take my vision, get some really good feedback from the people I brought on, my, my assistant director, my DP, my uh, art director, my make hair and makeup. I mean, the list goes on, right? My sound yeah. guy, all of that. Let's collaborate and elevate what we already have that I feel is good because I'm already producing it. I'm already making it, right? So it's already at a level that's good with my ideas. So let's incorporate everybody. It's that funny was, that that was one of the questions. Steven the TV says, as director, what conditions allow you to accept the actors to improvise without you stepping in? Oh, I love that. I love letting the camera roll without them knowing. Um, that's where the improvis improvisation comes in, right? Yeah. And I'll let them know we're about to call action. It's already rolling. I'll let them know, you know, I'll call cut, you know, and I'll let it go 5, 10, 25 seconds sometimes. And hmm. a lot of that stuff that I use when they're getting into their character, when they're having a conversation with each other, a lot of that stuff makes the film because that's where you're getting the true um, nature of the character from. So um, as far as improvisation, like if we're not, if, if the lines don't sound right and the actors come up, sometimes they will say, hey, can we, can we think about this edit? And I have the writer on set usually. So I'll definitely say, hold on. I think that's a good idea. Let me bring on the writer. Let me make sure what we say right now doesn't affect something later on. Because right now I'm so focused in this moment, I may forget what's going to come on. So I'll have the writer come in and help on that. But yeah, sometimes it just makes sense to let the actor who's so ingrained in their role take control on that. Gotcha. Okay. Hmm. I mean, and Steven and Tripp, anybody watching right now, if you guys got any questions, I mean, you're dealing with a, a multi-hyphenate director, producer, actor right now. Second feature, where I want you guys to understand is like we, the filmmakers, we do, you know, critiques and whatever in movies. Right. And we say a bunch of things about how this sucks and this is good and whatever. But like, because we all know how hard it is, it goes without saying that if you get anything done, like anything, done that's impressive especially anything over 20 30 minutes you were talking about yeah. it is a lot of work so we have respect for people doing anything completing as so someone doing two feature films they know some things you do not know so feel free to fire any questions away and in, into the chat Thank um you. speaking of that while we're waiting to see if anybody else has any other any other crazy ones um let me what is something that's unique about Dark Red that you want everybody to know about yeah. that project? I mean, there's a few, but the, the, the biggest one that I wanted to say, I'm so glad you said that, is it was an all-female uh, uh, camera department. My director oh, wow. of photography, Tanya Romero, she's uh, the, obviously a director of photography, or, or, or director of photographer, excuse me. Um, but she had asked me, hey, if I come on for this project, how would you feel about an all-female, you know, run department? And I said, let's go, let's go. I mean, I thought that was such a cool concept. It was also uh, multicultural, 
right? So um, not only was it all female, we had all genres of, of culture, um, all, uh, you know, black, uh, white, Asian, Hispanic, all on set. And I thought that was super awesome. And they all had their own flavor. They all had, we had three cameras on set. I didn't get a chance to let you guys know that, but we were running a three camera setup to get a shot in 22 days. Um, yeah. And I think that there was a lot of dynamic that they brought to the table that I don't know that all an all guy camera department could have brought, right? Maybe, but I just don't know that that would have happened. So I love the unique perspective. It's something that I wound up almost doing again on my short. It just couldn't get, we couldn't get the full camera department to be all female. Um, but it's something that I would definitely look into uh, for sure. But that was it. That was one of the unique things. Cool. Do you think, was it all people that she already had a relationship with or was it, I want to build this team from nothing type deal? Yeah, she had a relationship with every single one. I'm trying to think if there was one or two that she might not have. Because <clears throat> the other thing you have to understand is, you know, as the DP, she was on every day, right? Mm. That, obviously. But, you know, when you're paying a little, or in some cases, you're having to get help on the daily, right? Mm. You can't have the second and third camera operator be on every day. Maybe some of them could do half or whatever the case was, but so we had to get different camera operators. And so there might've been one or two that she had just recently met through somebody else, but for the most part, everybody she knew um, from previously working with or just knew of and wanted to work with them. That's cool, man. Well, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Congratulations. Like I said, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what you guys have created. I've worked with, definitely worked with Sam. He seems to like these cop roles. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Uh, and then it doesn't work with Tamika on a couple of different things. So mm-hmm. she's really, really good. I'm good. I got to use her. Look, we do Chronicles, man. I'm going to be, I'm going to be jacking from everybody. I know like, who do you know is a good actress? Send me some recommendations. Cause I need, I need everything. So um, I plan on putting you back in there. If you want to run, I'm ready. Run, run slate again, Vic Swole. <laughs> Whatever you need, man. I'm ready to be in front of the camera, behind. It doesn't matter. Oh, I like I like just creating. You know that. Yeah, I do. We're gonna have we're gonna have some fun stuff coming up. And I got like I got I got so much I'm working on myself. But it's all cool things, you know. Luckily, I'm getting through like a really busy time where everything mm-hmm. everything was due at the same time with all the clients or whatever. Um, but we're going to be doing some fun stuff here. And it's great. The fact that in Austin, we have so many talented actors um, and everybody's collaborating. Like, I love that. And when I first, like I said, when I first got here, I didn't see it as much. I'm sure the actors did it, but with the action people, it wasn't as collaborative. It didn't seem right. Different groups. Um, And I feel like that's kind of changing, which is really, really cool, man. Um, there's just no reason why Texas or even just the central Texas area isn't another coast, right? You got the East Coast, West Coast. It should be the original third coast. When I first moved here in 2003, that was the the lure for me, right? Was that mm-hmm. it, this could have been the third coast. There's yeah. no reason that it can't, you know? Um, I know South by Southwest is great, but it's very corporate. It's very big. Um, it's hard for someone like you and I to really make a footprint the way we would want to. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm yeah. sure the people listening in, they're like, yeah, that's not true, but it can. It's just harder. But yeah. 
the fact of the matter is, you know, there's no reason why it shouldn't be. And we could use some of our, you know, Texas government to help assist us, but we could sit there and make that an excuse all day long and wait for it to happen, or we could just go out and create. Best advice I ever got was from the LA uh, WebFest, Michael Jacque, unfortunately he has passed now. That was his best advice he ever gave me years ago was like, if you can, if you have the desire and the will, don't wait, go create. And it's stuck with me to this day. Yeah, man. I mean, I think one of the things we've seen is like a, a lack of, when I was in LA and other places, how you financed a movie, they seem to know how to do that. Mm-hmm. These steps, these people had this money and you can da 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 da. And here, people are always scrambling for the money. Absolutely. Which is, I've always been curious, like, why can't, and I've talked to people about this too, and they're like, oh, you can't make any money on a movie that's 100 grand, 200 grand, whatever. And I'm like, well, that, that sounds wrong to me because I grew up watching Kung Fu movies. We never cared what the budget was. Right. Like half the time we could, <clears throat> we didn't even care if you could speak freaking English. <laughs> I, I didn't even have good subtitles. I was just like, look, they're throwing hands. I'm watching it. Or man, they're doing cool stuff with the sword. I'm there. You know what I mean? So I'm not saying that that's the way to do it, but clearly if people are hungry for certain kinds of content, if you make it and it looks decent, they'll watch it. Absolutely. You know? So I, it's very confusing to me when people say things like that. I'm like, well, well okay, well, what do I, what kind of fans do I need? Do I need a bunch of fans who be willing to finance a movie? Like, how do we, how do we, there's got to be a way around whatever it is I'm watching not take place here. And so I think some of it just has to do with finding a sophisticated distribution method for movies that are running million sub, you know, a million and under. Like most people really realistically aren't making movies over 50, 100 grand, 200 grand here. Mm-hmm. I mean, most people don't they're like they're just getting together because we get them at the Austin Action Fest all the time. And these, I can tell them like, this is not, I think they might have shot this on a high definition camera. I mean, they finished the feature, but this is clearly not a million dollar movie. Right. Okay. So we got together and they just made it happen. Cool. Great. Well, there's got to be some kind of, outlet or whatever for that i don't know what that is i don't know what that looks like but i think that we can we can figure out how to make that make sense and in reference to the state helping um i've all i've often been curious about how they make the determination on that and i need to talk to have like tx npa or somebody on to explain it to me like what is the issue with incentives because i've heard people say it makes the city a bunch of money and i've heard people say it makes the city no money and I'm like, well, can I just get an answer? Which I want to know, like, yeah, is it not profitable? If it's not profitable, I don't expect the city to do it. Right. But if it is profitable, then it should be something that you do at a lower level. That 250 and above limit they used to have to even start getting incentives. I'm like, well, if most people here aren't making movies of that budget, that means you're only giving incentives to people who don't live here. Correct. Which I think you could start to build an industry of people willing to invest here. Right. You gave that money to people doing 25 and 50 and whatever. And if it's profitable to you, why would there be a problem with that? I just want to know the numbers to see what we got to do to try to get around some of these problems. Cause I think 
we could get really good at making Westerns post-apocalyptic and movies like that in Texas because we just have this stuff for it. We have horses. We have a bunch of burnout towns. And, and you know, you could do those things pretty easily. We have old Western towns. You have a lot mm-hmm. of them. They're already here, right? So if we have all of this stuff and all these scenery and whatever, why can't we become really specialized in those types of film productions? And maybe that's where we start to really get the attention that we need. I don't know. Just, just some thoughts I got. No, no, it's good thoughts. And in the meantime, like, I, I, I don't fully understand why bartering isn't brought back as much. Regardless, mm. has been um, pretty blessed to have that. You know, of course, I, I'm kind of the face of it. So I barter. They see me actually showing up. And there is an actual tangible, you know, bartering amount. Yeah. can go back and forth. But I, I, always, I always wondered why that seems to be such a, an issue for people. Because, you know, that's how you're going to elevate each other, right? So you get some people who are just like, I don't care about the money. I just want to work. I want to be yeah. involved with content. That's great too. But also like, it's good to know your worth, put it down and be like, okay, I like this project. I'd like to be a part of it, but but obviously you can't afford it right now. So how about this? Let's have you come on on this next project of mine that I'm looking for. So I don't know. It's just one of those situations where until we get the funding, like we we talked about, I would love to see more people, you know, not being scared. Sure. There. Yeah, not being, and then also not being afraid to say their value. That was, it was another thing about Dark Red was a lot of people were, were nice enough to tell me their value, which I mean, obviously I did, a value. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also really opened that door to trade, which was good. It's been a good thing. I have, I have, I have traded the entire time. There's a bunch of people I did a bunch of favors for in the beginning, and that stuff is still paying dividends now, um, and vice versa. And right. I have guys like I have guys right now that are come out and if I need them to do something like for my my wife's project, we just did um, the search for Crowder thing. We did. There are guys that couldn't. I, I just there's no money. Like it's just a funny short. I mean, and we had to fight and do stunts and do whatever, but like. It isn't a thing that has a budget for it. It just isn't, right? Um, and some of the guys, like they don't care. But see, on the next project, like when I booked the Showtime gig, I'm calling them out. Like, hey, guys, I got the Showtime gig. Who's down? Who's ready to brawl? Nice. So I go to my people who took care of me in the past first. Sure. Before I go to the randoms and the castings or whatever, like, I'm going to take care of my people who helped who help me get here. Right. So I think I think many people have figured that out. Good. That's how I mean there's no reason to not do business like that here. It's like we can trade back and forth and you could pay me and I could pay you and blah 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 blah. Or if it if we're gonna do this all day, I mean we don't necessarily have to exchange funds. But now if I don't know you, it may need to be a little different on that first go around. I'm just saying. Absolutely. No, no, I totally understand that. Let me ask you, have you ever been on a project with somebody and you did them a solid in some kind of way and you never heard from them again? No, no, I've been blessed. I have been blessed. Yeah. Yep. I've I've been on maybe one or two where some new guy getting a thing going on or whatever, and I came in and helped out. And then I not like they dodged my calls, but like they just aren't involved anymore at all. 
Right. So I was like, okay, cool. Well, I'll just, you know, I'll chalk that one up to the game or whatever. Um, maybe it just wasn't for them. I think a lot of people that get in their first project and they think it's going to be easy and they're like, oh, yeah, man, I want to be a director and blah, blah. And then everybody's <laughs> asking you questions. Hey, what time is this? Hey, what? And then you realize, bro, you don't really want to be in charge. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. So I think I th she's over there laughing right now. Um, it's not for everybody. No. It was like small. A lot of work. It's not for everybody. Some people just don't realize. They see the final product. They think it looks great and cool. And they want to be a part of that. And then they yeah. realize this is not your typical nine to five. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's just so much work involved. I think a lot of people are finding that out too. When we did talked about Chronicles. And I was like, look, but we just did that short. I was like, that's the easy version. Mm -hmm. I'm like that. I did not put y'all through the pace, the paces I had to go through to do all this stuff for sword and stunts and whatever. And I'm like, the next thing we do is going to be a little more elevated. And I hope people are ready when they, I want to be a lead warrior. I'm like, are you sure you want to be a lead warrior? <laughs> you certain? I mean, that 30, 45 second fight is going to be a lot out of you if you're not ready to do it. So, um, I do think sometimes people get like the reality checks with the actors and when they say, I want to do stunts. I'm like, you sure you want to do stunts? You have to fight these 10 guys and then you got to take some falls and then get up. You sure you want to do that? Mm -hmm. right, right. Okay, man. I, let's, let's run it and find out. So um, I think that's cool. It's a real cool way for people to get uh, kind of a taste and see in a short film or whatever. Do I really like doing this? Do I really not like doing it? Like I, I'm not, I'm a terrible AD, bro. I tell people all the time, I learned that. Like, I can do a lot of things on set, mm -hmm. right? I hate wrangling people. I hate schedules. Like, being the person to sit down and, like, break down a script and do scheduling and stuff like that. These are not the sorts of things, administrative S things. You're waste. You're waste. You're gonna waste your time and my patience, because I don't enjoy it, and I'll do it if I have to. I'm just not good at it. You know, I'm much yeah, better. There's at something in knowing your weaknesses. As everyone wants to talk about their strengths, but there's nothing wrong with knowing your weaknesses either. I mean, that's gonna help you. Who who to hire? So like, I love having an AD when I work. I want someone else watching the clock. I want someone else dealing with the people so I can deal with the key elements. It's just, I just learned that in management, you know, just basic business management. Like, don't try to fight all your weaknesses all the time. Sometimes you need to play to your strength and get other people to supplement your weaknesses. And I think a lot of people want to be auteurs um, and they want to control everything. And I'm like, bro, there are people who are really good at that. I'm not that guy because I'm like you. I'm very collaborative. I mean, I'm pulling you guys in because you're good at costumes and makeup and sound design and whatever. And I'm pulling you in because you're probably better than me. You're definitely better than an unfocused me. <laughs> sure, absolutely, 100%, especially if you're pulled in different directions. Oh, my God. They're, man, I've seen people not press record on things because they were... <laughs> They're trying to do too many things, man. So it's uh, it's been very, very interesting. I have zero desire to be the smartest guy on set. So what what is the thing that you enjoy the least when it comes to positions in film? Is there a thing? Um, 
enjoy the least. Like, if you cannot have to do this, this is a job that you will hire someone to do. I mean, I started off as a PA. I guess I would say that. But even then, like, I learned so much of what I do. So yeah. not, not, I, I also haven't been in every single department. So I am sure oh. there's something okay. that I could pick if I had. But I mean, I really stayed in the, the, the PA, uh, key set, second AD, AD, producing, oh, okay. directing department. So I really had a narrow path. Oh, okay. So you tracked. I got you. I yeah. got you. Yeah, mm -hmm. I did not do that. You did it all. I, I did everything. I mean, I did PA stuff as well, but like I literally did everything on set. Um, and then I was filmmaker. So meant I was make writing my own stuff, and then we we're directing it with a small crew and just trying to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Realistically, because it was terrible, and I can I can say that straight face. When we began, it was it was it sucked, and I was like, you know what? <laughs> I don't want to subject anybody else to this torture, yeah. and so I'd rather just do an embarrassing thing on my own. <laughs> Yeah. And be fine with the fact that it sucked instead of wasting people's time. And so in the beginning, I did everything. And I realized like trying to get people and schedules lined up. I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna kill everybody. Yeah, it's not easy, but I don't that stuff doesn't bother me. I like it. Good. Like Tetris. I'm a very good Tetris guy, you know, it's like fitting the pieces to the puzzle. Good. Okay. See, I like cameras, fighting mm -hmm. cameras. And often I'll try to have somebody else do some of the directing for drama. Unless I got a really strong feeling about the work. I like directing action more than I like directing emotion. Unless it's like a really, something that's really like getting to me. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. really feel passion about it. But don't say yourself short. I've seen your work. And so there is emotion in your work. There is an art form from what I've seen. The rage and the brawl. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I know you're saying you're having somebody else direct your drama, but there's drama, there's feeling in your. Oh yeah, I mean, you still gotta, you still gotta convey inside of the fight. But like, if you just say, "Hey, Ben, we're doing this this thing, and it's an act, talky action thing," I don't really get excited about directing that conversation unless there is something like heavy in there that I care about, okay. right? A lot of times, if it's just whatever, I'm not, I don't want to direct it because it's you don't need me for that part. Let somebody who cares about that thing do it bring me when there's brawling but i can do it and sometimes i do get a wild hair like, man i really want to write something like this like some of my new stuff i'm writing now i actually like like i'm feeling it like these are some good conversations like the new chronicles thing we'll talk offline because i can't spill any beans but um the concepts i want to weave into that that are being woven in are heavy nice they are, they are not, it ain't just, oh, the bad guy has a dragon and we're going to fight him. It's like real heavy questions that deal with stuff we're dealing with today. Okay. So I'm weaving that in there. And so I am going to be excited about that one. Sure. Generally, I just kind of like, kind of move to the side. But like, I got in there for fighting. I got in here running cameras a lot. So I've, I feel very comfortable with a camera, even with no shot list. Like for my wife, I was just like, just give me the camera. I'll shoot 90% of this. It's cool. I, lo I love cameras. Um, so yeah, man, it's, it's been very, it's been a very educational uh, run for me in film. Oh, Steven and TV says what he hates the long hours. <laughs> That's funny, but let me see. Uh, I don't care about that. 
So he says he's also uh, my wife. She said that's why your boys don't direct you. They care don't care about the dialogue. You they care about the action. Um, yeah, you know I think you know I think it really is sometimes like if it for some of my guys if they didn't write it they don't feel like directing it. Right. If they don't feel like input on what's being said or done, I think that's where some of that comes from. Which is, which is, I guess that makes sense if you just call it in on the day and you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't really know what's going on here. I don't really want to say too much. I'm going to assume these actors got it. I feel like it's the latter of what you, and I don't know. I can't yeah. speak for your friends, but I feel like it is definitely the latter. I don't have any issues with taking, in fact, the next couple of, I mean, the last two films I made, I didn't write. They were born from an idea of mine, but, um, and then the next one I may not have had any insight on. I do mm-hmm. get a kick out of trying to, bring that drama out with the actors if I can. I mean, because I, nice. I started off acting for so long. I still act now. So yeah, yeah there's a there's a, a unique challenge that I could that I would get a kick out of if I was taking somebody else's dialogue, trying to understand. I uh, would even love to talk to the writer, which is usually my requirement in the beginning. If I'm going to do this, can I speak to the writer, figure out where their head was at? And then trying to like weave their story with my ideas. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so um, I'm not going to keep you too much longer here today. So I got to ask you some couple quick questions, some simple ones. Sure. So recently, give me some TV shows or some movies that you've seen that you thought were either great or terrible, and why? You can pick either side. Let's see here. Um, Recently, recently. Because I don't have a lot of time to watch TV, but I did start watching The Last of Us with my wife. Okay. Um, and I played all the games. So, and I waited on purpose. People kept talk, trying to talk to me about it, ask me my opinion, my thoughts. I waited on purpose because I am weird like that, where I want to make sure all the episodes are already out. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, to binge it, binge even though I don't binge it. You know, uh, or I guess you could say I like short time it, but I don't. Okay. Binge it. I don't watch it in one day. I'll spread it out over weeks of my own liking and volition, so to speak. Okay. But um, I was really concerned that it was not going to, everyone kept saying to follow the game. So, um, so far I haven't finished it, but I'm pleasantly surprised to see how close. I do like the approach they took about backstory that we don't get a chance to explore too much in the game. So that one's a hot hot one for me right now. That's a good. um, God, let me think. Halo. Was another one that I watched a year okay. like a while ago. That was disappointing. Ooh, yeah. That Why was didn't, what didn't you like about Halo? I like not seeing Master Chief's face. I like feeling like I am Master Chief and having somebody else play him bothers me. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't sit there six days at the gym, you know, what to let somebody else play Master Chief. Now, so that was my. It was a personal issue. I just. Seeing his face come out, seeing the human element side, you have to do it for the story. I get it, but darn, that that drove me nuts. Was that the one with Michael Coulter? Yeah. You can say, listen, Joe, you're at safe place. You can say it. You didn't like it because he was black. No, no, not even that at all. No, that was all right. No. I just don't like seeing the face. <laughs> and what if you if you've ever played? Now I'm assuming you have. Maybe you haven't. But if you ever played oh. any of the Halos, he has never yeah. been asked. I'm sorry, it's too easy. Yeah. 
right. um, coming from the guy who made sure his lead actress was uh was black. <laughs> yeah, that's why it was funny. That's why I thought it was yeah. a fun one. Um, I actually heard. I mean, he. I saw it, and I played the games. He said, "Some bottom is stiff." The whole thing is stiff. I, I don't yeah. know what the. I don't know if they were like. I can't figure it out. Now here's the weird part. Be- because I have an issue with it, if a season two comes out and I've already invested in season one, you'll watch it. Watch it. I mean, I'm kind of like that too. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I can start. I have a hard time starting something that's bad. But you're like two, three episodes in. I'm like, fine. Finishes five. Like Game of Thrones, that last season. I was like, this is trash. Right off jump, I knew it was bad. The last season, Game of Thrones, hurt my feelings. Not the not the new one, the old one. So, okay, so check this out. I have somehow lived in a bubble where I never watched Game of Thrones all the way until 20, it's 2023. I think I finished in 2021. Wow. Straight up, the whole year. I might have like eight months or whatever it was. And um, and didn't read anything, didn't follow anything. When people would try to like show it on TV, I would turn it off because first off, like my wife hates that kind of stuff. And I oh, like really? that kind of stuff. So it's like, I'm not even going to get into something if I can't watch it with my wife. Well, that all went out the window in 2021. <laughs> Thanks to COVID. <laughs> or still some lingering effects to COVID. But anyway, so I watched it. I didn't see all of the stuff until after the hatred. Yeah. Um, so I have a different perspective of it. I, but and if you watch it all compressed, it might be a little different. It, is, it feels like it is different because I watched it compressed. But yeah, the, the problem is that I was a fan of the Night King. Okay. And they had a specific story in that last season. They kept trying to subvert expectations. So instead of Jon Snow being the one to fight the Night King, his sister is the one who stabs him. I'm like, she doesn't even do anything with him. She has nothing to do with him. Why? Yeah. I, I mean, I she could have helped. I would have been fine with the, the siblings, like, jumping him and maybe Bran doing a weirdo thing. I would have been cool with that, but I was just like, and then the way she did it, you know what it was? If I'm not mistaken, there was another movie that year that some girl did the same thing where she's got the knife drop and stab. I'm like, he, what? No, you can't. Oh my God. You can't kill. You can't kill people like him like that. Like it, it upset me a great deal. And so I was like, and then it was like, it didn't tell any of the, like the symbols he was doing and stuff. They didn't explain any of it. I was like, what are y'all doing? What are y'all, why are y'all doing it this way? You know, I'm so glad you said that actually. But there's two things. Number one, they built him up to be such a bad boy to, to go down like that. That's just, that's a shame. But, but two, uh, the Night King that is, and Jon Snow to be this awesome, wholesome hero who never really became a hero, um, <laughs> in my opinion. But the deal is, uh, I, I, there was a text message from a diehard friend of mine who, who kept telling me for years to watch. And finally, when I did, I was texting him. And he kept asking while I was watching the season eight, like what I was thinking as I was going through it. And finally, I was like, I'm not going to answer your question until I'm done. It. And then he's like, OK, well, what do you think? So I tell him, I'm like, I don't think I share the same issues that everyone else has. Hmm. Yeah, the, the whole Demais thing was cool. But my deal is I got involved the moment they talked about the Night King. That's a bad boy. Like, yes. So when that story kind of splintered and he got such a crappy ending because they were going to end it. And then we spent more three or four more episodes on stuff I didn't really care about. That was my issue. But a lot of people had more issues with the way Daenerys' character yeah. was 
rap. She style. did do a weirdo. I mean, she did pull an Anakin Skywalker. Um, I was like, yo, she just. I mean, I know she was crazy a little bit, but like, she went full blown, fast, and like that seems like a lot, but okay. And then it was like it's just these people that you've been you've been watching this whole time. Okay, you know, Cersei's been a piece of garbage. She finally gonna get what she deserves and whatever. And it's like, nope. And then the dude, you think Jamie's gonna do a transition? And I thought I was like, maybe he's gonna kill her. That's what I thought was gonna happen. I was like, maybe he's trying to like redeem himself. Like, nope, okay, he's they're just gonna under the rocks. I mean, I guess it was just but I, I think they said that the directors were gearing up to go do a Star Wars movie or something. So they were just trying to wrap the story up. It was rushed. That's why it went that way. And I was just, man, you know, like people have been rocking with y'all for like 10 years or so avidly watching this show. And then you just, you don't think that you should take time with, with that. Like that's, this is really freaking rude, man. Like I just, this it's just a it was just a rude decision. And like I said, I was rooting for the Night King. Listen, when okay, first and foremost, there are three moments. <clears throat> we're gonna talk about this. When he took aim with that spear like an <laughs> Olympic champion, I'm like he's a mystical creature. Right. He's taking aim like a pro. And like he's like Jenkins, my spear, and he hands him the spear. Aims. Aim. Right. In my, in my, my, I had a pretty decent speaker system. When he hit that drag, the yeah, bass, I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Because uh, the girls were at the time, she didn't really get into Game of Thrones. So I was just watching things by myself. Okay. And so that was insane to me. Then when he squares up with the dragon and the dragon breeze fired, I'm like, oh no, they got him. You know, I was like, okay, I could take this L. That's a decent house. Dragon blue fire on you. They got you. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Then he stood up. No, I'm telling you. And he smirked. Yep. 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 He, he laughed. He was yeah. like, he's, uh, I can't even say it here, but he was like, uh, I was like, this dude's amazing. He's yep. the best villain ever. And then they killed him like a sucker. I'm like, bro, y'all, he should have had the most epic. It should have been a whole episode. Just them trying to kill this one guy. For a season. I mean, that's my deal. Is that like, I was so interested and invested in this condensed moment um, in the Night King versus Jon Snow. Yeah. And I got it. Night King, night, night, dark, snow, white. Get it. I get it. Real high. Right. Exactly. So, and sure, dragons, of course, Game of Thrones, throw some dragons in there. Great. I, I'm all for it. But like, let's do it the right way. What? What I didn't care as much for, but I watched it because I watched the whole thing. Was, you know, Daenerys was a killer from the from the jump. Like she was a manipulator and a killer. But but boy, if I say that, I'm gonna be in trouble, which I just did. But see, I got a chance to watch it in a condensed version. You didn't cook me in a frying pan. You didn't put me like a fry, right? Put me in in cold water and boil me up. I was thrown right in in eight months. So I got a chance to see it. To me, she was just a, a nicer version of Cersei. Like Ooh. they both were killers. Ooh. They both were dominators. They both wanted the throne. They both were, you know, in front <laughs> of guys who would hold them down and suppress them. And they got the last stabs. Like I oh, get it. To me, they were true. very, very paralleled in a different way with the way he, the way the writer did it. So anyways, while that was cool, 
it was obviously Game of Thrones is multiple threads of stories. I get yeah. that. But like the main thing that kept me going was the Night King and Jon Snow. Yeah, dude. I was like, I yeah. thought it was going to end with the Night King being like, there was a patch. I gave you so many years of peace. I'm old the throne or I'm old the baby or something. I thought that's where we're going. You're going to find out that he's really right. And I was like, that'd be a crazy twist, right? For him to be like old the throne and really you guys are in rebellion to an agreement that was made. That would have been wild to me. That's where I thought we were going. And then it was like, nope. And so uh, it was interesting. It was but, another uh, line of long line of, of stories that I, I hang on to a certain thread and nobody ever explores it. What are you gonna do? Yeah, man. But here Steven, Steven is weighing in. He said, I feel this about Avengers Endgame. They, we, they were all fighting a Thanos who didn't even know or remember anything of the upset of the characters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is annoying when that happens. You start getting invested in, like, you know, I get it. We're invested in probably a villain. That's never good, right? <laughs> I'm not saying about you, but but still, like, when you're invested in that, you at least want to see that. Or or at least Thanos, like, he was holding people left and right. People, like, holding them, stabbing them, beating them. Like, at least he got this somewhat of a send-off, although I don't want to ruin it for people who didn't see it, but, you know, the, the second one. I'm like, years. Like, if you didn't seen it, I don't know what to tell you. Hey, maybe there's a me out there that's just waiting. I waste, I waited so long, and I avoided all of the information, but just yeah. don't watch this, whoever's listening in. <laughs> well, exactly, but that's the thing. I think a lot of movies I've, I've noticed, and we, we, I'm, I got to get you out of here, but um, yeah, sorry, I, I think that a lot of movies don't wrap up well. Mm-hmm. Like, I, to be honest with you, I love Lord of the Rings. Number one was a flawless movie. Number two was fun. It's a normal second movie. More action. Number three, <clears throat> I ain't like it. Right. I ain't like it. I ain't like how they killed uh, the the one, uh, forget his name, not the Night King, but the uh, the one writer, the one lead Nazgul. I didn't like how they killed him. Right, it just right. felt cheesy. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that girl was legit enough to take him out. She should have been better than that. Um, I didn't. I didn't like how the king had the. You know, he he had the the ghost army. I was like, this just feels cheap. I also didn't like the fact that Gandalf. How is he better swordsman than everybody on Earth? He had a sword and a staff. Right. He never got touched, fam. I don't. Okay, <laughs> go back and watch Gandalf. Yeah. He's flawless with the staff and the sword. No one can do anything with him. And it's like, bro, how is he the best swordsman? He's a wizard. Use some magic. What are you doing? I'm sorry. No, because here's you're right. Here's the thing. If he's the best swordsman, then what does he need everybody else for? <laughs> if he's that awesome. Like, yeah, there's there's some Where are the spells at? Do the do a thing. He nope, none of that. We're just gonna freaking. Shrieking I eco raid. Now I got to hear about Rings of Power. What do you think of Rings of Power? <sighs> Let me think. I think that the people who made that movie, that TV show, were more concerned with making this woman look cool mm-hmm. and telling a good story. And I think yeah. that that is unfortunate because, and this is where a lot of this stuff's been going on politically with uh, female lead characters. I'm like, look, I, I'm all for female leads. 
like before you fools are talking about female leads, we're watching movies like Alien. We're watching movies like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, of which the women are the whole purpose of that movie, by right. the way. Um, I was watching Heroic Trio, old Kung Fu movies with females, Legend of Wing Chun. I was a Michelle Yeoh fan before yeah. people even knew she was. Mm -hmm. Like, <clears throat> over here in the, in the in the West or whatever, I I watch chocolate. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm into us action fantasy people. We do, do not care. Final Fantasy, Tifa Lockhart. Everybody knows she's dope. Chun, people are big Chun-Li fans. These, like, this is not a thing, right? Um, but when you put a girl in a, in a movie and you don't want to let her suffer like you would uh, Stallone, who was a Rambo, or, or Deku in My Hero Academia, if you don't let the people suffer, you, it, can, it can't be the hero. Like, if you watch some of these shows and that show right there, I'm like, dude, she fought a freaking cave troll thing by herself. Like, she didn't need any help. She did a no-look cut on the on the troll. Like, bro, do you remember Lord of the Rings one when they fought a troll and it was Gandalf and Aragorn and Legolas? Right. It took... They were getting... They were still getting worked by that troll. Cave troll. And she runs in there. She's freaking gliding around on wires and slide. And I'm like, guys, you aren't making her look cool. You're making her look blessed. You're making it look like she's getting it handed to her. Let her get smacked around a little bit. It's, it was just, it was things like that, and it kept pulling me out of the show. And I'm like, bro, I love Lord of the Rings. I want to like this show. But then she got in the fight like with the crowd of people in Numenor, and she's like spinning around and casually. And I'm like. Is this Herc's adventure? Are we watching Xena right now? Why are y'all making this weird? Make yeah. these dudes threats and then let her show her superior swordsmanship. Why is this so cheesy? And it like I felt like they just they just didn't want to hurt her. And I'm like, no, no, no. If you want me to love a hero, they gotta get beat down bad. Or at least do it after the fact. If you want to set it up in the first episode to grab your attention, be like, whoa, she's badass. And you spend the next seven episodes her getting a butt kick. I get it. Somewhere. Yeah. She got it. She yeah. got her. It's like, but when you watch movies like that and you think of like something like Captain Marvel and you're like, bro, she never really lost any of these fights. She didn't even really need to train. She just needed to remember who she was. And all of a sudden she was more powerful than everybody. I'm like, guys, you can't make, you can't get, Rambo out of that. You can't get uh, the kind of people like Sylvester Stallone plays and we really love those gritty heroes or even Ripley and Alien. Like, dude, look at what she had to go through for us to like her. Like, that's the thing. It's not the fact that she's a girl. You have to you have to make her suffer. Even the Woman King. If you watch the Woman King? You man, know what I haven't. I want you to. Oh, bro. I need to. That's that was my that. movie of the year. Is that right? Oh yeah, I gotta get that. Then. They go through. They it it's rough for them. Oh nice. Like it's people. I mean, they're not playing nice with these heroes. The heroes have to suffer. Wow. If you don't make the hero suffer, I'm not. I don't. I don't care. Well, it made it made me. So I liked it. I agree with you, but I liked it. But it made me gravitate toward the secondary actors, which is uh, man. I'm gonna mess up the, the Hobbit's name. It's a little girl Hobbit. I forget. Oh, yeah, I forget. Yes, but I know. Her story is much more appealing to me. It is. She's struggling. Like, she's going through it. Like, but culture. Yeah, just, yeah. 
family. Like she's making some sacrifices here. No, you're right. Even um the the most I thought the most interesting was stuff with the dwarfs. Yes. The the yeah, relationship. Yeah, that That's correct. Yep. And him trying to oh man my my people are betraying me, but I'm really trying to be a good dude and da da da. Mm -hmm. I loved all of that conflict that was going on. I'm like that was good. And I was like I like I didn't I didn't people like I hate the show. Like no 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 no. It doesn't live up to Lord of the Rings standards. Right. It's not a horrible show. It's just they miss the mark whenever you make a hero that's not. I'm supposed to like your hero, and if you make me, you can make me. You can make you can make the hero have to earn it a little bit, but like they got to earn it at some point. And I felt like they never made her. She never came around to you saying, "Okay, I'm really on her side." Like, dude, she's mean. She's running, <laughs> yeah. she's running around telling people what to do. I'm like, dude, I wouldn't follow her. Yeah, yeah. And I think maybe they were trying to do that. I think some of it might have just been poorly executed, or on the director or the actor. And I think maybe they were trying to show that the fact she has no care for her men, but it just didn't, it just didn't come across right. Like Boromir. No, like you don't like Boromir in the beginning of Lord of the Rings, but after the thing with the Hobbit gets hit to the arrows, like dude, that was the moment. I was like, this dude's been a dirtbag this whole time. He has some redeeming qualities, yeah. Right, you can see he's trying to take care of his people, but he's being a a, a, a a jerk this whole time. Then he makes a mistake, and then he dies trying to protect the Hobbits. And I was like, okay, that was dope. Yeah, it is. So, no, no, that's set up the right way to get you emotionally involved. Yeah, but I think what he's talking about is like even with, with the Thanos fight, it was like I was watching that and I'm going the Hulk plays no role in this. What are we doing? Right. Like, and yeah. even with Captain Marvel, I'm like, there's so many other ways you could use her and the Hulk when fighting Thanos. Like, you could have really had some moments in here. Oh, yeah. I felt like they, they rushed it. They got ready to just wrap it up. And if you look at the action sequences in that compared to uh, Civil War, compared to uh, really any of the other ones, they just, it's just, it wasn't as well thought out. You know what they needed, Benjamin? They needed yes. a week off. Before they shot that, they needed to take a week or a month off. I'm telling you, you're welcome. That's the secret. That's all it takes to fix all these movies. Clear your head, man. Take a step back, analyze. You know I what? I like it. I like it. You know what? And we're gonna right there. We're gonna put a pin in it right there. All right, um, Joe. Where can they find you? Where can they get a hold of you? Want to keep track so, of your journey? The easiest way is follow me on Instagram. I am Joe Barajas. Um, you can also find me uh, Joe Barajas uh, on uh, Facebook. You can also see my work on regardlessproductions.com. Um, but yeah, that's where you'll find me. That's the most of it you can also follow dark red too if you want to get you know some of the latest uh information on dark red facebook as well as instagram dark red the movie awesome guys well this is the awesome action fest and market appreciate joe coming on and sharing his wisdom his pearl his pearls of knowledge you, you know man. remember take that week or that that month off if you can yeah right <laughs> yeah you guys uh stay safe out there keep fighting